Moms, I know divorce can be really messy, but selling your engagement ring can actually be quick, easy, and stress-free with Worthy. Worthy uses their expertise, technology, and connections to get you the absolute most for your jewelry with no hidden fees. Plus, just for my audience, Worthy gave me a special offer to share. When you sell your jewelry through Worthy, you'll receive a $100 Amazon gift card when your jewelry sells for over $1,500. Ready to move on from your ring? Head to worthy.com slash moms to get started today. That's worthy.com slash moms for the special bonus offer. This week on Moms Moving On. I brought so much of my unhealed childhood trauma into my first marriage. I expected him to fix me. Like, I was like, okay, you're, you're the guy now. Like... I didn't have Here's my mess. Clean growing. it up, sir. Yes. Fix me. Like yes. my dad, my dad didn't do it. My dad broke me. I want you to fix me. And oh that's not his responsibility. Wait, can we have a moment of silence for the fact that we're the same person? Mm-hmm. One moment. Okay, continue. Feel that. I mean, I mm-hmm. own that so much. You've made Moms Moving On your number one podcast for co-parenting and divorce. Now it's time to get a little unfiltered. I'm your host, Michelle. And I'm her co-host, Jess. And together, we're getting really real about all that happens after a mom has moved on. From dating after divorce to blending families, we're covering it all and everything in between. We hope you enjoy this unfiltered version of Moms Moving On. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Unfiltered. Jess, we have a lot for them today, don't we? We sure do. Well, in the interest of keeping things unfiltered, we are going to be sharing with you some of the biggest mistakes that we've made in the past and what we're working really hard to not repeat as we move forward into our new empowered co-parenting lives. A lot of mistakes were made in the beginning, and I think I still make some mistakes today, and you just learn from them and grow from them. Girl, I think being open to the idea that you are still continually learning. I mean, I just hired a parenting coach. I've been a parent for eight and a half years, and it was like last week that I was like, oh my God, maybe I don't know what I'm doing, you know, and being open Mm -hmm. to that possibility that somebody could know more than you and you can still continue to grow. That's really important. So if you're listening to this, you're probably into growing and learning. Good for you. Yes. Okay. Do you want to start? We have, it's like confessional. I mean, I'm Jewish, so we don't do that, but you know more about that than I do. I do. I think the mistakes that you make can be big mistakes. They can be small mistakes. I had something as small as last week. I had to like eat my words with my co-parent. I thought for sure that my son left his jersey at his house. And I'm like, you like idiot. This always happens. <laughs> and I sent him this message about like, it has to be there. And I opened the closet and I'm like, oh no, it's right in front of my face. I just missed it. And Years ago, I probably wouldn't have said anything. I would have just made it seem like the jersey miraculously showed up at my house. But I sent a text and I was like, I was wrong, which years like that just wouldn't have happened before. Just I was wrong. It was here. Thank you for looking. This is me clapping. That little bit. 
Yes, mm-hmm. it really goes a long way just in our co-parenting relationship in general. For me, he may never admit if he makes a mistake, which is fine. But I think, you know, that was my way of saying I messed up. So Okay, so this reminds me of the three years of hell I had to endure as a soccer mom in a, in in two homes where like the jerseys were always you know the jersey was in my house but the shin guards were in his house and every saturday morning we would have the same argument i would insist i didn't have it he would remind me michelle i'm not trying to fight with you historically you've never been good at looking for things you don't remember where you put things which is a fact and my adhd mm-hmm. mind will put something away so neatly and nicely but i won't be registering where i kept it and so every saturday morning i would have to send the text of oh never mind i have it and it was like it was this but but that's that's like a surface level mistake right like i mm-hmm. can confidently say and i talked about this yesterday in my reel where i talked about you know was my ex really the worst or was i also a shit show contributing to this cycle of like instability I deeply regret every day some of the mistakes I made coming out of the marriage and starting this co-parenting relationship because like so many people, I was under the impression that because my daughter was young and still in diapers and I was the preferred parent that she should really only be with me. And like biggest mistake, that mindset, because as I started to share her with her dad, 50-50 style, I lived in this fear of like, oh my God, he's not going to do it like me, which ended up being the most beautiful thing of our parenting relationship is that he doesn't do it like me because I don't do it perfectly. So that's one of my biggest mistakes. What's yours? No, I think that's true. I think I was similar. My daughter was in diapers. I was a stay-at-home mom. I was like, you could never, you can't even change a diaper. How are you going to put her in bed? And I I like (laughs) had this judgment of him before he even had an opportunity to really take the reins and parent in the way that he saw best. When we were married, I very much have that like controlling personality in a sense that I just thought, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do it all. You could never. And he really did step up to the plate in a different way than I parent. But like you said, then the kids get to experience two different parenting styles. But at the end of the day, our main priorities are still the same. Yeah. And I think, you know, we always talk about this with clients that giving your co-parent the space to figure it out before you decide they can't do it is not only just instrumental in teaching you a lesson that you are not the best in the world and there's no one way to do parenting, but also giving your child the freedom to have a relationship with their other parent, which we know long term is the healthiest thing we can do for them. Yeah. And I think, you know, you learn over time and we we talk with clients who understandably are nervous about their co-parent having this 50% of the time with, with their kids. And I think you just have to trust that they're going to have their best interests at heart. Will it be the same way that you, you parent them? No. Will they maybe go to bed later or have more screen time or not eat the same foods. Sure. But they're going to be loved and they're going to be taken care of. And it's at the end of the day, it's what's best for your children. Right. And also understanding that like what what's worth fighting over. Right. So I would be really hell bent on Bella's bedtime because I was a sleep psycho. I had Bella on a schedule at six weeks old. I like nothing could come between my sleep schedule and Bella's, you know, so it was just, 
And all of a sudden now here we are. And I noticed very quickly that she was dropping her naps because she was staying up later and then sleeping later and everything was so messed up. And I'm like over here with an ex Mm -hmm. who's still angry with me, understandably sending articles on how he should do things and like trying to manage. And what he disliked about me most in our marriage was that I was so controlling. And yet here I am still doing that and not realizing how not productive this would be. Like he wasn't going to take my advice. And so I tell people this, like, if they didn't want to listen to you before, stop trying to meddle now. Have a little faith. Right. If your kids are in a safe environment, and I stress the word safe, if they their sleep patterns change or they eat a little more candy, long-term, what's the worst case scenario? Nothing. Right. They're still going to be exactly. productive, functioning human beings who can contribute something wonderful to the world. Totally. I mean, I remember the first time, one of the first time my kids came home from their dad's on a weekend and my son, he was five at the time, was like, we had cereal for breakfast and it was so good. And at that time they had never had cereal. And I was like, you're feeding them this sugary mess. And now like years later, one, I have been like, wow, cereal is like kind of convenient on crazy, hectic mornings. And like you said, if that's the worst thing he does, it's not bad whatsoever. Right. Like I, I always tell people, if your kids grow up, And their worst memory of their childhood was that their father fed them sugary cereal, then they are winning Um, or their mother, you know, you never know. I actually happen to be the one who's a little bit looser in my food rules because I was so restricted as a child. I kind of have gone in the opposite direction, which I could probably rein in a little bit. Um, Well, I have, you know, as she got older, but we are going to do things differently and kids compartmentalize. They're really good at that. They know what's expected of them in so many different settings. They have to be a certain person at school. They have to be a certain person at soccer practice or dance. Then they have to be a certain person in the other house and they can handle that so long as we don't make them feel bad for it. Imagine we send them to school every day and we're like, oh, you got to go to school and be with that horrible teacher. And that teacher doesn't do things the way that I like. They're going to fear school so much. So we can't Mm -hmm. do that to them when it comes to the other parent. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've talked about you have to have that understanding and that respect for the way that your co-parent does choose to parent. And there are times that it does come up here. If I say, you know, you have to go make your bed. And my daughter's like, well, at dad's house, I don't have to make my bed. I use that as a, like, instead of saying, that's because, you know, dad doesn't want to teach you responsibility or whatever. I just tried to preface it as, that's really great that at dad's house, you don't make your bed, that your bed's made for you. But here, you know, we do have you make your own bed because I want to respect his choices and the way he chooses to parent, even when the kids are with me, because it does come up, you know, usually daily, different things that I do that he does differently, that I want the kids to know that even though we have different rules in place, you still have to respect them for either parent, regardless of where you are. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Um, okay. So other mistakes, I have a mistake in terms of, so people ask me all the time, do I have to let my ex know that I'm going to introduce the kids to my new partner? I mean, my answer is very different from what I actually did myself. So that was a big mistake. And I regret that so much because it caused years of turmoil in our co-parenting relationship. I did not ask permission or even give a heads up. And 
my poor ex had to, you know, find out not long after we split from Bella's two-year-old babbling that she met a man named Spencer, who what she used to call no before she could really speak, it was Penster. And then he's texting me, like, who the fuck is this? And why would you not talk to me about it? And here I am on my high horse thinking, I don't owe you an explanation, which I very mm-hmm. much did deeply regret. Yeah. And I think that just shows how much growth you've had over time. I think for a lot of listeners that may be in a similar situation, I I often feel like with clients I've worked with, sometimes it comes from a place of feeling like they aren't entitled to know or almost Mm -hmm. like the fear. I have clients that I work with that that have long drawn out divorce processes and they've met someone new and they don't want, you know, even if they are introducing the kids, they don't want their to necessarily tell their ex because of the ramifications it could have in their co-parenting relationship, which is so tricky. It's so tricky, but I always, you know, there's a saying that you'd rather ask for um, permission than have to ask for forgiveness. And that really applies Mm -hmm. here because what I was worried about was my ex's emotional response at the time. And I didn't want to deal with it, but had I just ripped the bandaid off and not asked permission, but sort of declared, Hey, dating somebody, Bella's going to meet him because I want to make sure, you know, he's a kid person before I pursue this Mm -hmm. more. The emotional reaction might have been intense and it might've been uncomfortable, but he wouldn't have felt deceived, which had much more long-term consequences. So I, that was a big mistake for me. I will say though, I'm just, I just want to reiterate, you're not asking your ex for permission in these cases. You're simply doing them a courtesy, giving them a heads up, being like, Hey, I acknowledge you may not like this, but here's what's happening. Mm -hmm. I wanted you to hear it from me, not the children. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, part of that comes down to like what we've talked about, what we talk to clients about is like, that's also part of the process of breaking the cycle of codependency and marriage that you, even though you may hate this person, there's still that, that part of you that feels responsible responsible for them emotionally in a sense like you still don't want to hurt their feelings and you don't want to upset them but like you said you don't have to ask them permission you just have to state you know in a very bill eddy way what what it is you're doing and that you understand they may be upset but you're not responsible for their emotional reaction to things anymore you're not and i think it goes you know to that place of codependency it's you know codependency is looked at as a negative word i think it becomes more of your innate family system. You are in what's called Mm -hmm. an emotional triangle between your spouse and your children. And maybe, you know, you're not worried about their emotions, but you are worried about keeping the peace. So you tread lightly, you avoid conflict. And that's, that's definitely a hard cycle to break and getting behind the idea that, you know, your family system has now shifted and you can't keep the peace in all situations. If you could, you wouldn't be getting divorced. That's something, you know, really worth learning. But I want to talk about, because something that's really scary that we were talking about is making the same mistakes you made in your first marriage in your second. You and I are happily partnered with our second men after our our divorces. I am very aware, but I want to hear for you, like what's something, what's a mistake you thought you made in your first marriage that you definitely don't want to do with Chad? Yeah, I mean, I've made quite a few mistakes both in my both in my first marriage and my current relationship. I think for me, it was 
I brought so much of my unhealed childhood trauma into my first marriage. I expected him to fix me. Like I was like, okay, you're, you're the guy now. Like I didn't have that. There's my mess. Clean it up, sir. Yes. Fix me. Like my dad, my dad didn't do it. My dad broke me. I want you to fix me. And that's not his responsibility. Wait, can we have a moment of silence for the fact that we're the same person? Mm-hmm. One moment. Okay, continue. Feel that. I mean, I own that so much. I do. I feel like I got married with the mindset of this man is going to solve all of the problems that were caused in childhood. And that's putting so much pressure on someone. It's not his responsibility. So it took probably, I would say for me, I, I learned that even towards the end of my marriage that I started working on healing myself. Um, But really when I started dating Chad, I'm like, I want to be with somebody because I want to be with them and I'm happy with who I am. It isn't their responsibility to fix me and, and undo all of the things that happened to me when I was younger. So I think just if someone's listening that can identify with with both of us, taking the time to heal before you get into a relationship and you don't have to be fully healed. I'm certainly not, but Nobody I'm is. able to be aware aware of what it is that triggers me and what it is that I need to work through by myself versus things that I do need, you know, Chad's support as a partner with. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is realizing that in my first marriage, I felt like it was my ex's responsibility to solve all of my, all of my problems. Well, and I, you know, my ex and I talk about this all the time because it took a long time for me to actually own up to the fact that my experience with him was just, he was like this innocent bystander that just wanted to like fall in love and get married. And I took out all of my unresolved shit on him and didn't even realize it. And it was so unfortunate. And listen, if I didn't do that, I still don't think the marriage could have survived. We were too different. We had mm-hmm. personalities that clashed and and all of that. But I really, once we got engaged, I began unraveling in a way that was so outside of the person I even was. I didn't know who I was, but I realized in therapy that it was re-triggering, you know, the fear of getting yes. married was the fear of what my father did to my mother, what my father did to me. I didn't want that being done to my child. And it was like, I took it all out on him while also expecting him to like fix me, which how could he do that right. when I was such a basket case? And I, I own up to that. And so it was really important for me when I met Spencer that I work separately on these issues because, you know, at that point I didn't feel I needed a man to save me anymore. I realized I could save Mm -hmm. myself, especially when I made the decision to leave a marriage and be on my own. Um, But it's something, you know, like, you know, these these issues, daddy issues that I like to say, we don't have the issues, they have the issues. But if you don't work on them, they are a pervasive part of your everyday life, not just in your romantic relationships with friendships, not feeling worthy enough in your job. You know, like every time I tell you, do you have a minute to talk and you think I'm going to fire you, which I'm never going to do. Right. It's (laughs) like, it dominates your life. So that awareness is so key. No, I agree. And I think, you know, to that point too, like you touched on both relationships and friendships, I have major like 
abandonment issues too. So I tend to, in my marriage, and then it's sometimes in friendships, almost push people away to see if they'll stay. Like in my head, I'm like, let me push you and see if you're really here for the right reasons. And I did that quite a bit in in my marriage and and now in current my current relationship and in friendships I'm like people are here because they want to be here and not everybody is going to leave you like you don't have to push people away to test them and test their loyalty um so i think those are the biggest takeaways for me too from like a smaller standpoint i've learned that you know the silent treatment does nothing you know Men, in my experience, they need to know, like they can't read your mind as much as you want them to. If something's bothering you, it's easier to just bring it up in a productive conversation than think they're going to figure it out on their own or blow up about it days later. Yeah. Another mistake um, that I'm very conscious of and that Spencer will point out to me because of the way we handle conflict Um I'm a runner. It has always been, you know, when, like you said, pushing people away, whenever I felt Mm -hmm. I was in a situation with my ex or with any boyfriend I had in my life where I could potentially get hurt, I would just fold up shop and disappear. Like up until I had met my ex-husband, I had never been broken up with because I always Mm -hmm. left before things could hurt me. And so my conflict style in my marriage with my ex was I would blow up like in a scary way. And then I'd be out. I would literally disappear physically and emotionally for a little bit and then come back like everything was fine. And with my husband now, he's very much like, if something's bothering you, I need to know immediately because if you bottle it up and explode on me, I that's not, I can't right. handle that. That's not fair to me. So I've been very cognizant about mm-hmm. getting uncomfortable a little bit and knowing that if I share my feelings, it's not going to be the end of the relationship and I'm not going to get hurt. So that's a big one for me. And yeah, just in talking about this, I just, you know, I think of how unprepared I was emotionally to be married to my ex-husband and it's, it's shitty. It's shitty for all of us, but we got Bella, right? Yeah, exactly. You got the best thing out of it. They're calling it the Bible for all divorcing moms. I can't believe it, but that's what they've said about my book, Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and come out on the other side, me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self, and create the life you truly deserve. It's available in paperback, hardcover, audiobook, and Kindle. So go get my book. I promise you won't regret it. I also think that I have the type of personality, like you mentioned, if you if you send a text, like, can we talk? I'm like, yes, immediately. Like, I want it over with. So I'm the same way in my relationship where I tend to not give my partner the space that they need. I want it fixed now. I want to, you know, whatever disagreement we're having, I want to talk about it where I have to be respectful. You know, in, in Chad's case, in a lot of people's cases, they need some time and space to process things. However, I do feel like we're, him and I are both at the 
maturity where we can say, like, he'll say, Hey, I need, you know, 15 minutes to think about this. I'm going to take a walk and then we can talk about this. So I think that's healthy communication in new relationships where you can understand what the other person needs when there is a disagreement about something and, you know, come together with, if you're someone that wants to fix it right away and the other person needs space, then communicating that together and kind of putting a time frame on it so you both can be respectful of what the other person needs. Yeah, I think that is, you know, it's very selfish of us to expect a partner to resolve things in the way we want them resolved. Yeah. So that like, you know, for me with my ex, it was like, I would explode and then get more mm-hmm. mad when it wasn't like an immediate apology or an explanation. And then I would just take off. Right. And so that's, that's huge. And, and for Chad being, for him being able to say, give me this time, I got to clear my head, you know, speaks volumes about how self-aware he is. So that sounds really healthy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's, it's all, you know, it's, I really do believe divorce is an experience that shapes us for the better. Um, Nobody ever really wants to go through it, but sometimes you have to. I obviously had to. I I couldn't. Part of it for me was not so much who my ex was, but who I was in the relationship that I didn't want to model to Bella. Like if she saw that side of me growing up, I would there would be no repair. Like she would, I don't know. I don't know. But speaking of kids, I've I've made a lot of mistakes from a place of guilt. I think that divorced mom guilt that trumps any other kind of mom guilt in the world. Do you feel this or are you just a better mom? Every day. Okay. Every single day. I mean, I tell Let's you about, talk like, about I, it. Mom guilt over like the smallest things. And I, you know, I think the hardest part about being so educated on and helping people through divorce and co-parenting is, you know, sometimes y- you it skews your mindset of is this happening because we're going we went through a divorce or is this childhood you know behavior stuff or whatever the issue sometimes it is like they are kids and and I have to separate that aspect of it that you know like we've talked about with my daughter having some sleep issues right now this could very well happen if we were married in one home like sometimes I feel guilty that I think everything that happens negatively in my child's or children's lives is because they're co-parented kids. And that's just not the case, you know? And I think if anything, I feel like moms, you know, in general, and especially co-parenting moms really go above and beyond to help their kids in every aspect of their life, whether they're with you or they're with their co-parent, you're constantly thinking about what's best for them and how you can help them. Right. And I feel I've gone, so you and I have the added pressure of doing better for our kids than was done for us in our childhoods. And I think I've taken that to an extreme. I'm I'm realizing really like, you know, for me, it was emotional neglect, abandonment, and just feeling like I never had a safe space to share my feelings. And so now Mm -hmm. I feel like I've created almost this monster or the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like I didn't want Bella to be troubled by the divorce. I didn't want her to ever feel like her feelings didn't matter, but I've gone so overboard that now it's like her feelings are center stage all the time. And there's so much of it. And I'm, I realized very quickly last Friday, I was supposed to. So one thing I did, here's a mistake. And this is for my own, I don't know, ego. 
I was the person that would never make plans or leave my daughter home on the nights that I had her because I was already spending less time with her. So I would say no to every girl's night. I would say to no to even a wedding. I would skip if it was my Mm -hmm. night with Bella. What did that show her? That you're going to have mommy by your side all the time, no matter what, Right. right? It made me feel better from my guilt mindset. But then this past Friday, she's almost nine years old, super social, always at sleepovers, like doing her thing. She was going to have to stay at my mom's house. It was my weekend because I had a concert to go to and her dad Mm -hmm. had an event. So we couldn't swap nights, which, you know, he got first dibs, first right of refusal. And she was beside herself that you should not make plans when you have me and you should. And I'm like, and Spencer looked at me and he was like, the problem is that she feels she has the right to tell you that. And I'm like, wow, there's some enmeshment here we really have to manage. And so for you know divorced parents in particular, it is so easy to become enmeshed with your children. Enmeshment means when there's really no separation of church and state, there are very diffuse boundaries. You're treating them more like adults and, and friends than you should. And um that's that's a mistake I want to call out about myself and that I'm actively trying to repair. And for anybody who's just starting the process to please not do that. Yeah, no, it's hard though. You know, you want to spend as much time with them and make them feel so safe and secure. I think it was eye-opening for me. I had moments like that. And I, you know, it was when my, when my son got into elementary school, like you mentioned sleepovers and things like that. I realized that at times I was also being very selfish with my time with the kids. Like, well, it's my time and you can't do this or do that. And then I realized like I still, they're still entitled to have the same childhood experiences that they would have had their dad and I still been together. Um, And I think that, you know, part of that does kind of trickle into our co-parenting relationship. It's something that I've had to be more mindful of over the years in being more flexible years. You know, when we first started co-parenting, it was like, this is our schedule and we're sticking to it. I'm never going to help you. I'm never going to do this. And then, you know, over years, as the emotions have subsided and we've kind of found our routine, if it's a weekend where, you know, his parents are visiting from out of state and they want to take the kids to a baseball game or they want to do something, I'm so much more flexible with that because I know it's best for the kids. So many of the decisions that I made early on in our divorce were decisions that I did out of spite. And, you know, just to, just to be the person that was like, I'm not going to help you. But I think as you heal and grow and, and learn to, to co-parent, you realize that flexibility really can be what's best for your children through all of this. Uh, For sure. And also, you know, this is why we talk about separating the emotions, right? So you don't fall into that place of co-parenting from spite or also just co-parenting out of fear, you know, like so many people who will overindulge, indulge their children with the fear that if they don't, they might prefer the other parent when kids really need the opposite. They need that continued structure and safety and you know, they need to know who's in charge, the um, hierarchy of structure in the family is is huge. I'll never forget when Spencer and I were getting married and we met with a therapist to sort of like help us with the blend. The therapist had said, don't forget that the adult dynamics 
come first, like keeping right. that and letting the children know who's who and who's the boss and where they're allowed to push their boundaries and how uh, will keep them feeling the safest. So when children feel safe, they feel connected. So that overindulging is not is not safety. One of the other things that I, um, you know, that I've had to do over time is when I, when there is like, not necessarily like a behavioral problem, but just something small with our kids. When I find something that works for us, like we've talked about my daughter's sleep a year, if this would have happened, you know, three, four or five years ago, I would have been like, it's, it's all dad's fault that she's having these sleep issues. And I blame him. And, you know, if I would have solved her sleep, I wouldn't have shared that information, those helpful tips. And that's something that I've learned over time. You know, if, if I find something, if we're both struggling with the same problem and I find a solution that works well in my house, it's so important to share that with her dad, not from a place of, see, I know more than you. I solve this. It's from a place of, hey, this is what really works. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should try it there to see mm -hmm. if it helps her when she's with you. A hundred percent. Like in the past, I, you know, I'm meeting with this parenting coach to help me with my own parenting struggles. In the past, I would have like insisted that Bella's dad be there because, but mm -hmm. what I'm seeing is, he doesn't need that. He doesn't, you know, right. I, I noticed on this week um, on the Jewish holiday, we decided to both take her to temple for, I was not going to go. I knew she didn't want to go. I was like, whatever, don't go to temple any other day of the year. What does it matter today? And he was insistent on going. And at first I was like rolling my eyes, but whatever, I got us dressed. I forced her there. And when we got there, we sat down and when you're Jewish growing up and you go to temple on these holidays, the whole point is because you get to go run around the lobby with your friends and have fun. Sure. All of her friends were doing that. And I'm like, Elliot, come on, just let her. And he's like, no, we didn't bring her here to run around with her friends. She does that every day. Like she can sit here. She can listen. He wanted her to hear the rabbi's sermon. And I'm thinking, you know, I texted him later that day. I'm so glad we could do this because you are strong where I am weak. And I'm realizing mm -hmm. all these years, I yeah. thought I was the better parent. I don't think I am. So, mm -hmm. you know, we, it's, it's accepting each other's strengths and differences, right. And realizing that a family is a family, whether you're in two homes or not, and both those halves equal the whole, none of it can function properly without, you know, the influence of both parents. So I'm grateful for that and all that I've learned despite my mistakes. Yeah, and I think it, you know, it takes so much self-awareness and for me and I know like therapy does wonders for working through all of these emotions and healing from a lot of, you know, what you struggled with in your marriage or even, you know, before, like for us, childhood and just learning and growing from that and putting any feelings you may still have aside, you know, ill feelings you may have aside for your ex to really focus on what's best for your children in the long term is the best thing that you can do. Yeah. It's all about growth, baby. Growth yep. mindset. What else should we tell yes. the people before we wrap? I don't know. I think um, if you are struggling with certain parts of your process, how you talk to your kids is super important. That's, you know, communication is key with your children, especially in co-parented situations. So if you want to check out, uh, we have a recording available for purchase at the link in my bio, how to talk to your kids before, during, and after divorce about all the situations that come up. That would be great. Jess, you're doing a parenting plan workshop. Yes. So some of the biggest mistakes we make in 
and Honestly. divorce are messing up these parenting plans. So you're helping people not make those mistakes. That's coming up here soon. And before we know it, it'll be almost holiday time. And our other coach, Lindsay, will be doing a workshop on how to navigate the holidays with a high conflict co-parent. Yeah. So many good things. One thing that, yeah, yeah. I think those are all really important things, you know, in the weeks and months to come. Mm. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to Unfiltered. We're so happy you love it. We love doing it. Jess, you're just like the perfect co-pilot. I love it. Thank you so much. All right. Bye, everyone. We'll see you next time on Moms Moving On. Bye. So you want to be a divorce coach, but the term divorce coach is a broad one because there is just so much you can cover in the world of moving on. Maybe you find yourself gravitating towards clients with high conflict co-parents, or perhaps you have a knack for helping women pull themselves out of bed when they feel overwhelmed with single mom responsibilities. No matter your ideal client, the one thread that will unite them all is that they're moms and moms need a different level of support when it comes to divorce coaching. With my moving on method, you'll not only learn how to best support a client through their divorce, you'll also learn how to help support them as they transition into their new role as co-parents and managing a coaching business. I'm Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, certified divorce and co-parenting specialist, and I founded the moving on method after years of working with clients from all over the world and seeing them all struggle with the same issues. In this training, you'll learn my five principles for helping a client with their moving on process, along with how to make your practice successful. Visit momsmovingon.com today to apply for my program. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.